and welcome to Accepted Secrets of New York City School Admissions with Alina Adams. She is author extraordinaire of the ebook Getting into New York City Kindergarten. I'm Victoria Chapman. Hi, Alina. Hi, Vicki. We have been talking so many things over the last few weeks, and um, we've been talking about school programs, private schools, Hunter College Elementary, private, um, prepping your child for tests to get in the above, and um, timelines, we've been talking about timelines. Most recently (laughs) talked about timelines, where you should be, what you should be expecting as the year ticks down. Charter schools. We said we were going to address this a couple weeks ago. We're back now. What are they? How are they different? Please explain. A charter school is a school that receives a charter from the state to operate a school using public funds. What that means to you is you do not pay for a charter school. It is not a private school. The school still has to take the same state tests as the public schools do, which is something the private schools do not do unless they want to. So it is a school that has to meet the same standards as public schools, but they can be more creative about the way that they get their students there. So they have to achieve the same scores, but they are not as ham-fisted about the curriculum they need to use to get there. Let me just understand. So are they, in a way, sanctioned more by the state yes. rather than the board of yes, the state's board of ed? Correct. They are sanctioned by the state. So the state, uh, the state gives the charter and the state can revoke the charter. But they are subject to the same standards as New York City public schools. Okay, since you said they can give the charter and they can revoke the charter, do they have the sense of prominence? They don't, and that's actually one of the issues people have with charter schools. Charter schools that have not performed up to par have been closed, and students have been left without a school halfway through their academic career. But to be fair, a public school can be closed for failure as well. There's no guarantees really with any school. Okay, okay. So um, what are some of the grade levels um, for charter schools? Well, most of the charter schools start off as elementary. That's why we're talking about it for kindergarten. Some of them are extending into high schools. There are charter um, middle schools and there are charter high schools. So it really spans the entire gamut. Okay. Um, So how are they set up? What are are we need to know about them? What's the the, the broad overview? Because we'll get into details a little further. Go ahead. Well, what most people seem to know about charter schools, they get from hearing about the success academies, which are sort of the largest network of charter schools. They're the ones that get most of the press, primarily because there is a feud between the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, and the woman who runs the charters, Ava Moskowitz, and their feud predates the success academies. They've hated each other for a long time, ever since they were on city council. And as a result, they snipe at each other in the press. Here's what you need to know about the success academies. If state test scores are extremely important to you, the success academies are schools that based on the last set of state test scores, they didn't do okay, they didn't do well, they crushed it. They had a 98% um, passing rate in some schools. Some of their schools were only outranked in test scores by Anderson and Nest, 
which are citywide gifted and talented schools, which you have to take a test to get into. The success academies, you do not take a test to get into. You lottery into the schools. They beat many schools that were citywide schools. They beat many schools that were G&T schools. They beat many of the city's top public schools. Now, we are just talking about test scores. If test scores are something that's important to you, the success academies are very, very focused on getting kids ready for the state tests. Okay, then these are schools that still operate as a public school. They are, yes. I mean, the, the verbiage gets, gets fuzzy because the fact of the matter is you don't pay for them, but they're slightly different than public schools. What, what is that difference that well, for one thing, the success academies and many other charter schools, they have longer school days. They have a longer school year. Guess what? When kids are in school for a longer amount of time, you tend to be able to cram more stuff into their heads. Um, the success academies, the kids wear uniforms. It is a very structured environment. It is a very achievement-oriented environment. It is what they call a no-excuses environment in the sense that they believe every child will succeed. Some kids love that kind of pressure. Some parents love the fact that their kids are being pushed to the top of their abilities. Some parents call it a boot camp. They think their children are not puppies. They don't need to be trained with, you know, visual um, reward system, and they're not very happy. But as I've said, whenever we've talked about any school, whether it's a G&T school or a general ed school or a private school, if you are not buying what the school is selling, if you don't love the school's philosophy, then you really shouldn't be there because then everybody will be unhappy. Okay. Oh, I think you could talk about that for a long time, but we need to move on. When we come back, we're going to talk about other options in the charter school system. And we've been talking about charter schools, and we just have to talk about success. Um, what other options are there? They're not the only game in town. Absolutely not. Success Academy. Some people tend to just think that they're the only game in town, but they're not. There are even other networks. There are the KIPP Academies, which is a school that has great success, especially with children of color. They were uh, mentioned in a book. There's a great book that I recommend that wasn't written by me. It's called How Kids Succeed. And one of the things they talk about is grit. And the person who started the KIPP Academy said a very interesting observation. He talks about the fact that even though they do very, very good work with the kids in their schools, a lot of them come from underprivileged neighborhoods and uh, may not have had the best kind of academic background leading up to when they get into KIPP. He says a lot of kids from the top schools, when they go to college, they've sort of had their hand held the whole time. And they not even just tutors, but their parents and everyone's cleared a path for them. And they get to college. And this guy says that these kids, they tend to fall apart the first semester, mm. which is when they suddenly have to be in charge of their own schedule and do their own assignments. And he said they prepare their kids from the KIPP academies that when those kids falter, the kids from the KIPP academy step in. And that's when they have a chance to make up whatever academic or social or financial gap that there might be between them. Because the kids at the KIPP academies have been so well prepared to manage on their own that when the other, quote unquote, more privileged children don't quite know what's going on, the kids from the KIPP academies are ready to hit the ground running and really excel. 
Okay, so you're saying it's not just an academic um, learning, but it's kind of a self-management learning. Very much so. And what's nice about them is they don't think their job is over after the kids have left their schools. They really even have mentors who continue to check in with them through college to make sure that these kids are able to get through college. Wow. Decent full support system. Yes, very much so. So as I said, that's another network that because one of the nice things about networks, there's pros and cons to being networks. Again, with the success academies, you have a lot of schools, which means teachers can trade and share resources. They can try a technique in one school and see if it works in another. KIPP is another network, which also benefits from that sort of thing. Okay, and you mentioned the word grit. And yeah. I, I think you kind of gave a very round, broad definition, but can you drill that well, now? there's a lot of work on grit. I mean, Carol Dweck out of Stanford has written an entire book about it. Basically, research has shown that IQ is not nearly as important as the ability to, as Fred Astaire said, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start all over again. That how smart you are is really not nearly as important as your ability to stick to something. Okay. I'm not sure I disagree with that. <laughs> okay. Um, other schools? Well, there's also smaller network. For instance, you have okay. something like Harlem Hebrew Charter School, which is part of a larger national network, but they opened in Manhattan and they have a school in Brooklyn. There are also charter schools that teach immersion classes, say in French or in Spanish, or you might have a charter school with a theme, as you mentioned. For instance, there's the Hellenic Charter School in Brooklyn, where they study Greek and Latin via the Socratic method, because if there's one thing parents need is their children learning how to argue better and in Greek and Latin, but that's something that the school does. Or there's a school that I love to say, just because its name is fun to say, Bugs, Brooklyn Bugs. Urban Garden Charter School. Now, it's a middle school, so you can't apply to it for kindergarten, but how much fun is it to say, where does your child go to school? Bugs. I'm sure the children love that as well. <laughs> exactly. And they obviously focus on, you know, urban garden charter school. They focus on gardening and there's a lot, there's so much science to learn. There. Okay. Or you have the Harriet Tubman charter school in the Bronx where the kids learn by studying their cultural heritage. So as I've said before, if you choose a school with a theme, make sure you like that theme. Because the school is not hiding what it's about from you. And if you want to go there, you better get with the program and be enthusiastic about what their theme is. So if you're going to Bugs, <laughs> exactly. school, you're you, going to be encountering yeah, Bugs you, as well. You as better like arms, and you better not then come in and say to the teacher, why is my child spending an hour digging dirt instead of doing algebra? Because they've been very clear to you, their school is called Bugs. Okay. I, I, I guess I can't argue with that. Now, you mentioned something about... Um, like the Harlem Hebrew Charter School being part of a national network? Yes, they are actually, they're someone that opens uh, charter schools because charter schools are not unique to New York. You can have charter schools in other areas. So the Harlem Hebrew Charter School happens to be part of a network of opening Hebrew language, dual language charter schools around the country. The fact is that the charter school movement is growing nationally. In fact, recently they just had a big rally called Don't Steal Possible, which was all about encouraging people to go to charter schools. There is... Um, a level of non-support for the charter schools. Some of it comes from the United Federation of Teachers, which, by the way, also tried to open their own charter school, and they ran it for a few years, but the school scores were so dismal that the school was eventually closed. So they are not fans. As I said, Mayor Bill de Blasio is not a fan of charter schools, and there are parents who are not fans of charter schools as well. Okay, so when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the controversy but um, 
So you're just saying that there are national networks as well as local networks. Yes. And how do you find out about these networks? Well, as I said, um, there is a common app now for applying to charter schools, or at least they will be. They promised one. I haven't seen how it works. I read the press release. It sounded like it was going to be really good. And if you go to my book, there is a link to the National Charter Center, and you can learn about schools not only in your area but also nationwide. Okay. We're going to get to the controversy in a second, but I do want to you just mentioned again applications. How does one... You said you're going to have it in the, in the, but how is it different from public schools, private schools? Well, one thing to remember is you do not list any charter schools on your Kindergarten Connect form. Kindergarten Connect is only for general education public schools. Charter schools, most of them operate as lotteries. You can apply to the school directly or you can apply to a network. For instance, with the Success Academies, you can sort of rank your first, second, and third choice of which schools that you would like. They do give sibling priority. They give priority to English language learners. Sometimes they give priority to kids in the district, but usually charter schools are open citywide and lottery-based. Okay. When we return, we're now going to talk about the controversy. To charter or not. We'll be right back. Hi there, and welcome back to Accepted Secrets of New York City School Admissions. Julia Alex, author of the book Getting Into New York City Kindergarten, and we are talking about charter schools. And when we left off, we talked about there being controversy. Helena, what is the fuss? Well, a lot of people have some very valid concerns about how charter schools are run and operated. One of the biggest ones is that the teachers don't have to be unionized. Some are, some aren't. And what happens is as a result of the teachers not being unionized, they work much longer hours. The school year is longer. They're also expected to communicate more with parents, which, of course, takes a lot of time. Critics claim that this causes burnout and high teacher turnover which there certainly are some schools that have high teacher turnover. But here's an interesting thing. I'm going to recommend another book that's also wonderful but not written by me. Okay. It's called The Smartest Kids in the World and How They Got That Way. And the author studied several school systems around the world. And one of the ones that she studied was Finland because the big buzzword in education is Finland. It's, my husband is a teacher and he always jokes that every year there's a new buzzword. This year it's bullying. The year before that it was Finland. People just sort of yell one word uh -huh. and that's supposed to explain everything. And she writes about the Finnish school system, and one of the things about the Finnish school system is that the teachers do work much longer hours, and they work much harder. And here's something really interesting I found. She interviewed a teacher who said that the key to him being a good teacher is not having empathy for his students, which I found fascinating. He said... If he had empathy for his students, then he wouldn't treat every student the same and he wouldn't expect the exact same results from every student. He would expect the child from the poor immigrant background to not be able to achieve the same things as a child from a privileged wealthy background. But because he has no empathy for his students, I just found it fascinating that he's able to be a good teacher for all of them. And what's interesting is that a lot of the charter schools are also known for their so-called no-excuses culture. Everyone is going to succeed. And in the book, The Smartest Kids in the World and How They Got That Way, the author mentions that the closest thing that she has found in America to the Finnish school system is the Success Academy charter schools. Interesting, but does that mean we are offering excuses? You know what? Schools are so broad 
that it's very difficult to paint all schools with the same brush. One thing also that I can add is when we talked about how because teachers are working longer hours and getting burned out, here's my thought. I mean, my husband is a teacher, so I understand that teachers work really, really hard and is a really, really difficult job. And as someone who's married to a teacher, maybe I don't want to see him staying up until 2 o'clock in the morning making tests as he has done in the past. He doesn't work at a charter school, but, you know, he takes his tests very seriously. And he can stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning making a test for a student. So as his wife, I'm going, well, that's not very healthy for you. But on the other hand, if I were the parent of the children, yes. I wouldn't care if the teacher was staying up until 2 o'clock in the morning as long as he was working super hard for my kids. So I think what we're talking about here is, yes, there is teacher burnout, but the question should be, is that more important than the achievement of the kids? Okay. And sometimes I think burnout is also a matter of what you put in versus what you Again, such a broad, broad sweeping <laughs> exactly. issue that there's no way I would even try to speak to it. But I almost feel like as a parent, I'm like, okay, it's hard, but what are you doing for my kids? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what's the critics? Well, there are critics who don't like the fact that some charter schools share space with public schools. They claim that the schools are taking resources, that the charter schools are taking resources for public schools. Now, as a result of that, a lot of newly opened charter schools have gotten their own buildings. So like we mentioned, Harlem Hebrew Charter School just randomly earlier. That's one that has its own building. It does not share space. It's called co-location. People have trouble with co-location. And I really think it comes down to a case-by-case -case basis. It's a lot like sibling rivalry, sibling rivalry in the sense that everybody thinks that they're sharing space and someone else is getting the better end of the deal. Well, I would imagine even if you are in a separate building, that's still another resource. That's still monies that are going the upkeep of that separate space as opposed to the shared space, which might have at least one heating system and everything else. Um, you well, know, and, the, system. and the other thing is that lots of public schools share space as well. There's lots of schools that are located on just one floor of a building that may, might house two or three other schools. So co-location was not something that was invented by the charter schools. It's something New York, it's New York City. We all have very little space. Schools are not exempt from that. Schools are being jammed into it. A lot of schools are jammed into public and charter into the same building. Aren't we supposed to be green and economizing? That's bugs. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the criticism that charter schools are skimming the best and the brightest from neighborhood schools because mm -hmm. the idea is that there's a lot of neighborhoods with a lot of failing public schools where parents who are involved, the kind of parents who will go out of their way to learn about a charter school, knowing about a charter school is already half the half the battle because you have to apply to it. So it's usually the parents who are much more motivated about their child's education and they're trying to get their children into charter schools. So the argument is what happens is the public schools are then left with the kids who have the unmotivated parents who are just sort of dumped there as opposed to the families who are actively seeking out an education for their children in the charter school. That said, there are unzoned schools that operate exactly the same way. For instance, in District 3, you have Manhattan School for Children, which is a school you have to know about in order to get into it. And it has a very different demographic from PS84, which is a school only a few blocks away. So they're both public schools, but that one is a lottery school, Manhattan School for Children, that operates the exact same way. There's no difference when it comes to, quote unquote, skimming the best and the brightest. But aren't they also, isn't admission into charter schools lottery so the reality is everybody's not going to get in 
Yes, but they're more concerned that the people who do get in are the people who know about it and are the people who are highly motivated to be there. That's why it's a threat to many people who run um, public schools. For instance, city councilwoman Gail Brewer once said that she would strangle any parent who moved their child from a public to a charter school. So they're basically seeing schools as the deck is being stacked because the best and the brightest are applying and therefore anybody that gets in are going to be at least the best and the brightest or best motivated by their parents. And therefore, it's a stacked deck and is going to succeed more just as a result. That's the belief. But as I mentioned, it could also, the exact same argument could be applied to unzoned schools. There's also schools like Midtown West in District 2. There's Central Park East 1 and 2. These are all schools that you lottery into, and it usually takes students who otherwise would be going to their local public school. Okay. Any other critiques? Um, there's rumors that uh, charter schools expel kids with learning issues in order to keep their test scores high. But in the book, there's actually a study that was done by the city that showed that that wasn't the case. And the other thing is I can tell you about many a public school that while they can't force a child with learning issues to leave, they can certainly make life very, very, very unpleasant for them. And I've heard from enough parents to know that counseling out a child with learning issues is hardly exclusive to the charter school world. Okay. And I understand there's some criticism about accountability. Well, the idea is that charter schools aren't accountable because they answer to the state rather than answering to the DOE. But the fact of the matter is charter schools in a way are more accountable because charter schools have to have their charter renewed. So a school that isn't meeting standards can actually be closed, as we talked about earlier, which is horrible for children who are in a school that then gets closed halfway through their uh, through their educational career. But in a way, charter schools are more accountable because they have to basically justify their own existence every few years. Now, of course, public schools, failing public schools can be closed, too, but that's a much longer process. Okay, um, so we talked about um, the criticism. What are some, uh, let's say, the advocates? The advocates are the people, as I said, the ones who rallied and say don't steal possible are saying that these schools are offering an option for kids who otherwise would be trapped in their local failing public schools and that these schools are getting results from the exact same demographic that the public schools are failing. Okay, so now with the um, closing of charter schools, how much notice does a parent have that the school may not be opening and, and, and what, what are the options? Well, it's usually a sort of at the end of this year we will close sort of thing. And then there is some attempt to find placement for the children in other schools, but it's still it's still traumatic and uh, it's a problem. Okay. So if a parent is interested in school, what should they know about interviewing, touring? Char- charter schools? Charter schools are lottery-based, so you don't need to be interviewed. Some of them offer tours. What you want to do is you want to call the school to find out what their policy is about touring. But if you go to the book, there's a link to the Charter Center, which will have uh, not only the common app, but also you can search for schools, see what's in your neighborhood, and see if there's anything that appeals to you. Okay. Um, Anything else that parents should assess? Well, just like with visiting any other school, I strongly advocate going during the day when the children are in school. So you can see you can see for yourself because you can you can hear the rumor. Oh, this school is too strict or oh, this school has a disciplinary problem or oh, this school is too lenient. But see for yourself. It's very funny that I'm doing these podcasts. And the most important thing I can tell you is don't listen to me. 
Don't listen to me. Don't listen to your mother. Don't listen to your next door neighbor. Don't listen to the mayor. Don't listen to the head of the UFT. Don't listen to anyone because you know what's best for your child. Visit the school. See for yourself. Don't listen to me. Except about that.